0: I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult, where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious rite. Hi, Eve. Hey, Kieran. How are you?
1: I'm good. I have nothing interesting to say today unless you want to talk about 64 different varieties of plants and their different statuses on... (laughs) <laughs> whether or not we're planting them as <laughs> seeds or getting them as plugs for the garden or have we ordered them or not. It's just like
0: I'm in full on garden mode. That sounds very exciting. I had a interesting weather experience yesterday where it's been, it's been really rainy in Berlin, which isn't weird because it's winter. But what happened was it was very cold out yesterday and cold today but there was a thunderstorm and hail and I have only ever experienced these things in summer. (laughs) So it took me a solid like five minutes to process that. I saw lightning in the middle of winter. And so I'm still like working through that today. Just like it was cold out and it should have been more wintry and we had a thunderstorm. So like, That's a thing that's possible.
1: vaguely apocalyptic weather is probably a good segue.
0: Yeah, that's a great (laughs) segue.
1: Hi, Jack. How are you?
2: I'm good. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
1: So usually we let the guests introduce themselves, but um, I'm going to jump in a little bit here and then Jack can finish the job. So Jack is the partner of a good friend of mine from high school so I've known them for ages and uh, he generously gave us the licensing to use his song Janet for our intro that you hear on this show so thank you the heavens is on kitchen table Cult every week and now (laughs) this time Jack is here now
0: for real yeah Boom, boom,
2: boom <laughs>
1: <laughs> So what do you want folks to know about you?
2: uh well it's uh it's kind of hard. I guess um we could start with the I'm in the heavens i I've uh, kind of headed that up for um, five or so years now. Uh, and the heavens is actually now part of my record label, uh, Morbid Instinct. And, uh, well, it's like record label production collective. Cause we do all kinds of stuff like photography and music videos and short films. And then of course, uh, the book, hands of doom. I'm an author and a theologian. So, um, I've got lots of irons in the fire.
1: And, and this book <laughs> is ostensibly why you're on here today. Just mostly just an excuse for you to come hang out. <laughs> um, so you, this is kind of an oddball book and uh how you got here is kind of a an fascinating journey. Tell us a little bit about what this book is about.
2: Yeah, so it's a it's about the essentially the theological ideas, the religious ideas in the music of Black Sabbath. And uh it it kind of came about cuz I was discovering black Sabbath at the same time that I was studying apocalyptic literature and uh,
1: <laughs> in seminary,
2: in seminary. Yeah. Cause I wasn't allowed to listen to music in the black Sabbath vein when I was a kid. Uh, so I had to discover it later and I was like really obsessed with it. It, it just blew me away. And at the same time I'm studying apocalyptic literature and then I'm noticing all of this overlap and the fact that like, Black Sabbath is using the same imagery and a lot of the same ideas and um, perspectives to voice their own unique message. And uh, I was just casually talking uh, to a friend of mine about this, who um, turned out to be series editor for a, a book series on pop music and theology. And he invited me to write a Black Sabbath contribution, so that's how that's how that happens.
1: so the subtitle is the apocalyptic imagination of black sabbath and you talk a lot about the theological imagination and how these things connect how would you define these these terms for the the non-seminarians
2: that's a that's a good question imagination it's like I feel like generally we use that, you know, it's like in the SpongeBob sense of imagination right. <laughs> where it's like thinking outside of reality, but in a kind of like philosophical sense, thinking outside of reality is like imagining. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to use the word in the definition, um, but <laughs> like thinking outside of the status quo, you know, thinking of of alternative possibilities for, Society to function, essentially. And apocalyptic imagination is, like, even further than that, like, imagining the destruction of the world as it is and the overcoming of it to make way for justice. So throughout history, apocalyptic imagination has taken different shapes. Sometimes it's, you know, like, more conservative groups or... Separatist groups that are waiting for God to destroy the world and bring them to the new heaven and new earth or their revolutionary movements that are uh, like imagining the end of the social order and uh, uh, trying to imagine what a new social order would look like.
1: Okay. And how do you see that? connecting with theology
2: here i'm
1: just gonna like play as, as dumb as possible here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please connect
0: these dots <laughs> yes i have read the book
2: For am i going to act like it school. no <laughs> uh yeah so uh, the theological part i guess is uh, apocalyptic literature it comes from the book of revelation and because the the book of revelation in the bible the the word is apocalypsis and that's where we get the word apocalypse and apocalyptic. Uh, and it means revelation. And so apocalyptic literature is basically like any kind of literature that is like the book of Revelation. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so the that's kind of the, the the theological point is that these are texts that come out of theological groups, like religious groups that are committed to a specific vision and uh, a specific purpose. And one thing that's often not talked about is there, they are also particularly Jewish groups and uh, they're Jewish groups that are subjected to the Greek world and then the Roman world. So uh, you, there's like a kind of social reason why they start imagining the end of the world because the world is, more and more being taken over by this one imperial power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of where the, the theology is like the, this imperial power is not ultimate that actually God is, is ultimate. And God is uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, you know, um, in the book of Enoch, it's Lord of the spirits. And uh, so it's to connect it to black Sabbath. It's like, at, the, at a time when the United States is a uh, an imperial power that is stretching across the globe, and particularly in Vietnam, like waging war on a people that are fighting for liberation, Black Sabbath utilizes apocalyptic imagination to criticize and condemn this imperial power and encourage people to imagine outside of it
1: so a lot of what you're doing in the book is is you're drawing the parallels between the like techniques here and how they're they're overlapping and they're criticizing of empire and they're criticizing of of social order
2: yeah yeah and then i also kind of i go into their context as like band members like their lives and uh the perspective that they kind of come from. So they all come out of Birmingham, uh, United Kingdom. And uh, at the time, this was an area that had been completely transformed um, World War II because it was a major industrial center. So uh, it was completely destroyed. And uh, so basically... When they were growing up, there were lots of bombed out buildings and lots of new factories. And that was basically all that kind of existed for their world. And they were all, they all came from very poor families. And Ozzy in his autobiography actually says, we had two options. It was either the factory or the prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of in this context, they start listening to, you know, blues music and, Led Zeppelin is becoming popular, so they're listening to Led Zeppelin, and they're listening to the Beatles, and they start playing that themselves. And what they're doing is they are reflecting the loud, bombastic, heavy metal (laughs) that is surrounding them with factory life. I mean, drummer Bill Ward literally said that he would lie awake in bed at night hearing factory sounds and uh it was these sounds that influenced his drumming style.
1: Oh, fascinating.
2: That makes yeah. sense.
1: And there's a there's an Irish connection here and this is also during the time of the the troubles, right?
2: Yeah, Geezer Butler, the um bassist, he uh he's also the the main lyricist. He comes from an Irish a British Irish background and his parents at were actually, they, they lived in Dublin before he was born. Uh, so he, in addition to having like having a, a working class perspective, he also has a, uh, an Irish perspective, which is like another way in which he, it like, it adds a layer of complexity to his understanding of the British government and of government in general. And he's also a, a lapsed Catholic. Uh,
0: there was a... That's what I was going to ask. I was like, okay, so like, but is there like... Because it seems very... Like some of the lyrics seem very like Catholic influence. Like there yeah. has to be some kind of connection between like the band members and like their theology kind of playing into the lyrics.
2: Yeah. And he t- he said at one point uh, um, w- when he was a kid, he was super devout. And you can kind of... Uh, tell that i i could tell like reading about him that he was a really serious kid and uh so and like oh no li- shit yeah <laughs> and uh you know like a little mini theologian and i guess there was a a missionary that came to his area and he was hearing him and it was all fire and brimstone and mm-hmm. he heard this preaching and was like just totally turned off by it and was like this seems like like social control through fear. So he was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, if that's what God is like, what is Satan like? So then he starts getting into the occult and he starts reading Crowley and, and then just, you know, lots of science fiction as well. And so he develops this very unique outlook of, of lots of different (laughs) competing influences that like, by the time he starts writing, his own viewpoint is very unique. He's got in uh, the song, the war pigs, Satan and God are like in cahoots (laughs) and are presiding over judgment day together, which is not something you really see in a lot of other examples of apocalyptic literature. Usually Satan is like the foil and Mm -hmm. the personification of evil. Right.
1: And also there's, this element that you talk about, like the Satanist community was like initially excited about them. And then <laughs> that didn't go so well. Yeah. Um, and they, were, they were in crucifixes at their shows. Can you tell, tell a little bit about this?
2: Yeah. And this is like so funny. And like, this is also kind of where you see the Catholic influence. It's like they had, there were a few instances where they had like some kind of, local occultist group when they came in town to play a show they would like invite them to join their rituals i I don't know what they what they were referring to i'm getting it's all coming second hand from the band members and they were doing coke and drinking a lot of alcohol so like who knows (laughs) uh who knows what these conversations really were like but um in any case, they made it clear to these groups, like, we're we're just a band. We're not interested. In, we're in, just here to
1: get drunk and have fun. We don't <laughs> want to go to this, like, other
2: kind of church. Yeah, we're, we're not interested in, in, you know, participating in occult rituals. And uh, I guess one group, like, put a hex on them. And so because they put a hex on them, um, they started wearing... Or no, and then Tony... Iommi, the guitarist, he, he tells a story in his autobiography where they all had the same dream about putting on crucifixes to protect them from evil. And so they put on crucifixes and it was their practice that at every show you could see them wearing their crucifixes. And Tony Iommi to this day has crucifixes all over his gear. He's he's still <laughs> wears the same... Uh, crucifix it's around so funny me. To me. Yeah, it's such a weird, like, it's so Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: it's, it's, a, it's such a charming, like, childish kind of superstition. Yeah. It's so good.
2: Like, Van Helsing. I, I remember when I read Bram Stoker's Dracula, it just so struck me, like, how specifically Catholic it is. Where, mm-hmm. like, the holy water is, like, frightening to vampires. <laughs> Let's I actually just turn
1: church on its head. F.S. Yeah,
2: yeah. I actually had an idea of like a. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a, a movie about like a Protestant vampires that like they didn't care about crucifixes <laughs> or holy water or any of that. They're they're like uh, none of this is affecting me.
1: But if you start it, like diagramming tulip on a chalkboard, they're gonna run. Oh,
2: yeah, no. I thought like it's the word. It's hearing the Bible that like sends yes. them running. <laughs> Oh, I would still so watch. Please that. write that. I want it. I
0: want it. Oh my god, that would be so funny. Oh, and if they walked into one of those sneaky coffee shops, they just oh instantly god. spontaneously combust.
1: The Catholic vampires would be fine.
2: Yeah, but <laughs>
1: the Evangelical vampires would not. <laughs> be like, oh, that's so fun playing yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are 10 people around this table each with books being relatively quiet <laughs> except for their praying which is very loud. I'm toast So good that's that's what I need
1: uh so Jack you you kind of grew up like us but not quite you want to like sketch out how you got to... Being in seminary and writing a book about Black Sabbath.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it is so, like, the, like there are a lot of different things that I could have written a first book about. And I'm just so happy now that the first book that I wrote is, is a book about Black Sabbath. And, like,
1: <laughs> it was inevitable that whatever your first book was, it was going to be this weird.
2: yeah right right (laughs) i'm glad it is this weird and it it wasn't just some like you know theological introduction to whomever and like it just some kind of basic like abc's thing you know like i i'm glad it is like uh oddball and like dark and strange and unexpected yeah if you
1: tried something like that i would have been like dude are you okay
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, So, yeah, so I grew up in uh, a very conservative evangelical pocket of Washington state and um, kind of like in the outskirts of the Seattle, Washington area.
0: (laughs) I I lived in Seattle for a year, so I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) yes, those places.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting. Seattle has like this reputation for being like a very liberal place. But that is not how I experienced it. I was basically exclusively involved with, like, very conservative areas of Seattle. And I grew up uh, with, on the one hand, a kind of, like, Baptist emphasis on, you know, biblical inerrancy and, you know, taking the Bible literally and as, like, a rule book for life. And then at the same time, had a lot of, uh, like, very spiritual um kind of like pentecostal charismatic uh christianity which was like emphasized praying in the holy spirit and speaking in tongues and having like these physical experiences and uh on the one hand i never had any spiritual experiences and everybody around me was having them so i was like wondering what's wrong with me and mm-hmm. and then at the same time i you know, was an avid researcher and like hopelessly ADHD and just like (laughs) uh, doing as much like
1: nerd my way out of this one. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like just studying very deeply the Bible and, uh... and then of course, like my dad also was a preacher and he was shaped in the same way by like, on the one hand, a very charismatic spiritual side and then like a very strict biblical side. And, uh, so I was kind of, I don't want to say expected because it wasn't so much that it was expected, but as soon as I started exhibiting interest in the Bible, it was like prophesied that I would be a prophet and I would be a preacher (laughs) and I would bring glory to God or whatever. All of which I do, by the way, (laughs) Like the irony is I do all of that and none of the people who like, said that I would be doing it, like, read anything that I write. <laughs>
1: Isn't it funny how that works?
2: Yeah. It's, like, you, you see where they are today, and you see where I am today, and it's, like, this is irony. This is, like, perfect irony.
1: <laughs> like, this this path was, like, pretty straightforwardly inevitable. Yeah. and you, And I'm surprised that you're surprised.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's not so much surprising as much as it is just, like, funny – and never, like, gets old. It's kind of always the same experience of, like, isn't it funny? It's, like, I I am still... I'm still doing exactly what you said you wanted me to do. And you're still ignoring me. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
2: I... On that path, I went to Regent University, which is Pat Robertson's university. Yeah. And so, very conservative place, but th- with, like... You know, like, the, the professors are never as conservative as the institution. So I was able there to, like, dive into theology and historical critical study of the Bible. And, uh, of course, like, had a series of existential crises about my faith. But despite that, was able to, you know, kind of, like, shapeshift and find my own meaning in the traditions that, um, I grew up in. And, uh, but like at the same time also became much more progressive and, uh, like socially like liberal. And so the next institution I went to was Union Theological Seminary, uh, here in New York, which is where, um, Cornell West teaches, and it's where uh, James Cone, the Black liberation theologian, um, taught before he died. So, I kind of like there encountered a completely different experience of Christianity, <laughs> just a little, yeah, any like, Tiny. Tiny bit.
1: they are no longer, uh, you know, blaming blaming uh, Hurricane Katrina on the case. We're doing other things,
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's kind of in a similar fashion to geezer Butler. It's like you, you get both extremes, you know, you get the like super leftist extreme and the super conservative evangelical extreme, and then kind of a lot of things in between and beyond. And so, and I personally have always been like very morbid, very emo. So it's like not surprising that like after all of that, the, the thing that I get to is like the theology of black Sabbath. <laughs> I'm a kind of like bathmet mm. of like holding the opposites <laughs> together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Karen and I were talking about the playlist that you made, which we're going to include in the show notes that kind of goes with the book. And, you know, the metal's not everybody's jam. <laughs> like, I, I'm i sitting here like, I, because my dad played electric guitar and, like, that was kind of, like, his thing. Like, I both get it and also, like, I don't want to enjoy it unless it's live music. Recording's just, like, feel bad. Because <laughs> hmm. I'm like... I'm missing, I'm missing the entire vibrational experience here. Mm. (laughs) It's just not the same. So it's hard for me to like, listen to that stuff casually for those who like, maybe aren't super familiar with what this experience of listening to this kind of music is. Could you break down a little bit where their place in the, the music world and their influences and who they've influenced.
2: Yeah. um, So black Sabbath uh, on the one hand is considered metal because they were the first uh, metal band, which is kind of almost universally agreed. Um,
1: But like listening to it now, it's like, Oh, that's all.
2: Yeah. It's like, but today it's, it's light compared to uh, some of the stuff that you hear today. There's no like screaming. There's not like, a bunch of super super low notes there's not like a wall of amps you know creating like obscene <laughs> levels of noise i love metal by the way i'm not denigrating anything <laughs> um, but uh
1: <laughs> no that was a compliment
2: <laughs> yeah that was a compliment just <laughs> so it, and what's interesting is like every form of metal today in spite of what i just said uh t- like goes back to black Sabbath in one way or another. Like they really kind of set the templates that get reworked. And I think musically they were a uh, part of the logical progression of uh, rock because like Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix were like kind of the pinnacle of mm-hmm. rock and roll at that point, uh, mm-hmm. as far as like cranking up the guitar and like, the distortion and, you know, playing faster than anybody had played before. Uh, but the next kind of level of that is the tuning down the guitar and the kind of minimalism of Tony Iommi's playing. He, um, th- he's the guitarist. And when he was 17, he, the tips of his fingers on his left hand were severed um, in a factory accident and on his last day of the the job and because of that he had to develop a way of playing the guitar that was like conducive for his hand so he uses a lot of power chords and he doesn't do a lot of like crazy soloing like van halen or someone Mm -hmm. it's like it's more minimal and it's like more uh deliberate and then tuning down the guitar made it easier for him to play cuz the strings were like more workable and a little more flexible so uh what came out of necessity for him ended up being this like really interesting dark deep sound that went on to have its own life but at at the end of the day it is still like blues music and i have a chapter where i talk about the like what it means that this British band is like taking blues forms and making millions of dollars off of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, ethical implications to, to that. And I really wanted to give that issue. It's, it's, um, you know, what it deserves. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of like where they are now as, as far as the experience. Yeah. It's just like, if you've, if you have like a favorite rock song that's like loud and full of energy and like kind of angry, but then rebellious at the same time, it's just this like free spirit explosion. And I really tried to uh, pack that into the book (laughs) and I went to like some funny lengths to do that. Like I would go (laughs) from writing to like playing the guitar and I would be like chugging beer and like getting high (laughs) while writing so that I could like, and then I would like blast the music. yeah, And just so that I could like, you know, get that energy. I tried cocaine for the first time. (laughs) Did that (laughs) help? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think all of it, all of it, like uh, there's an energy in, in the book that I think is like, you know, unmistakably because I, I did that. And like, really dialed it up to 11 as the spinal tap so for- how did
0: <laughs> how did you discover Black Sabbath because you know you mentioned like you weren't allowed to listen I wasn't allowed to listen to it and while I was listening to the playlist I was like and that's why my parents didn't let me listen to it because it had <laughs> like all
1: the- while my dad like played electric guitar I was not allowed to listen to this kind of stuff either like yeah he worshipped Jimi Hendrix and would not play Jimi Hendrix for us like Hmm. there there, there were limits (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i think honestly i i had heard the song iron man and i had i've never really been crazy about that song but i was watching i think it was the show fargo uh the second season there's an episode where they use war pigs and when that song came on, I was just like, "What is this song?" <laughs> and I listened <laughs> to that song obsessively. And um, that song, it really is like there's just such a feeling of revolution in that song. And I actually, I was on a uh, a justice ride, a pro, like big bike protest in 2020 um, here in New York, and I'm like biking to the location. And, like, alongside me, somebody bikes, and he's got war pigs blasting on a Bluetooth speaker. And, like, then and from there, we join this, like, big group. And it's, like, there was such a feeling of, like, wow, we are really doing it. (laughs) Like, we are really focused. This is what
1: this song is for. Yeah,
2: this is exactly what it's for. It's kind of, like, had the feeling of the cavalry has arrived, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, from there... And then it was like listening to the lyrics. It's I'm recognizing all of this language. You know, I know the language already and it's and what they're doing with it is not what I was told they yes. were doing with it. Like they <laughs> mm-hmm. I was told they were a bunch of Satan worshipers. And instead, they're like talking about the day of judgment when God is going to bring the wicked to their uh to their, you know, rightful end. And I was just like, wow. Um, so I started studying it and realized that that's also originally what the book of revelation was doing <laughs> was like mm-hmm. taking imperial imagery and turning it on its head and saying that God is going to um, use all of the empire's weapons against them to destroy the empire. And uh, yeah. So from there I was hooked and I just needed to listen to everything. <laughs> That's great.
0: Yeah, I'd heard like a couple of their songs that were more on like the rock side of the scale than the metal side of the scale. So a lot of it I was like, oh, I've heard this song somewhere. It was like, and then as I continued listening to it, I was like, this is weirdly familiar. All yeah. of the, all of this language is very familiar, but it's also like, like I want to say it's like Bruce Springsteen where it's like my dad really liked bruce springsteen but he was like he's so liberal and terrible and awful <laughs> because whatever but he still loved born in the usa which is fucking hilarious because born in the usa is like how the u.s is bad actually yeah yeah <laughs> and so while i'm listening to the playlist i'm just like there is a lot going on here that this is tapping into and like i get why my parents were like Close reading was terrible, never, the but also
1: evangelical strong suit.
0: Yeah, really.
2: yeah. It's like they read they read the Bible like they read Bruce Springsteen. It's yes. like born in the USA. <laughs> that's right. Patriotism. <laughs> like ends
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. What are you working on now to like bring it full circle? Because you are also a musician, so like you have musician feelings about black sabbath as well but like you're also <laughs> making cool shit
2: yeah and really uh, the writing this book kind of caused a, a a metal turn for the heavens that i had not like originally intended but um kind of came out of not just like obsessive listening to sabbath but then also like listening to um who they influenced and who their influences were so the heavens is more heavy metal than before because of black Sabbath. And then also just like learning to play some of those songs changed the way I play guitar as well. Mm. But yeah, so now it's like, it's so funny because I I kind of wrote with such freedom in the sense that I wasn't, um, I wasn't limiting myself to a certain viewpoint, theologically, I really wanted to do theology from the basis of the music and the lyrics and to see where it took me. And it took me a lot of places that like master's thesis me would not approve of. (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) master's thesis me would cringe and like, maybe actually cry if, (laughs) if he read what I've written in the book. So, and then when it was published, it was like, oh, I have to stand by that. <laughs> like, I <laughs> I can't said delete it. this blog post. <laughs> yeah. It's like, in fact, there's a lot of things that I used to say that I believe that don't even have any airtime in the book at all. And so it. I became like a different person uh, writing it.
1: Can you think of like something specific? Breath.
2: Yeah. So one example is uh, belief in heaven. In my master's thesis, I was still like pretty adamant that belief in heaven was revolutionary, and that we needed it to like truly imagine life outside of the status quo. And in the book, I have a section, uh, "No Heaven Beyond the Grave," <laughs> where I say that actually belief in heaven. Is causing us to take life less seriously, and it's therefore like detrimental to our progress and to saving the earth.
1: That's something we talked a lot about on the show. Here is with, like the daydreaming about the apocalypse has encouraged a lot of climate denial among the evangelical community,
0: right? And just, yeah. like, outright trying to make the world end because, like, then you get to heaven faster.
1: hmm
2: Yeah. Whereas, like, originally the apocalyptic imagination had to do with, and I, I think it's in, yeah, it's in the book of Revelation, destroying those who destroy the earth. So it's, mm. like, literally it's, it's those mm. who are hurting the earth who are Hmm. subjecting the earth to oppression, who need to be brought to an end.
1: Hmm. How about that?
2: (laughs) I don't remember my parents reading that part of
0: Revelation as they adamantly refused to recycle. Oh, that book's
2: confusing. (laughs) Who knows what it means? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So now that I've written this book and I've like, my theology has changed. And then like the, the communities that it has introduced me to has has also like changed the, the direction of my life in a way. You know, I'm like talking to a lot of metalheads and Satanists and uh, just <laughs> goth people generally, and coming to like represent something that has to do with all of that. And yeah, I was I gonna ask, really like, cool. what's
1: what's the reception been?
2: Oh, it's like. It's it's so fun because they so many people have had the same thoughts about Black Sabbath before. And it was just like their their own little secret with themselves is like they, they loved Black Sabbath. They grew up in Christianity and are not Christian anymore. But they still appreciate like the this like Christian theological message that Black Sabbath manages to have. And I just I I encountered it again and again where they were like, I have been thinking about this and like reflecting and mulling this over for years. And some some people like decades because they've been listening to like they're older and they've been listening to them from the beginning.
0: So that that's
2: been really cool is like it's like it hasn't been written about a lot. But when you write about it and people have been thinking about it, it's like you know, they all start popping up and it's like, yeah, we've seen it.
0: That's so good. That's such a good feeling when people just come out of the woodwork and are like, oh, you also had this thought and you dared to write it down.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I still haven't gotten any controversy. I think the one thing that I am kind of like secretly hoping for is some kind of, you know, outrage on behalf of like, even like from evangelicals. Because I feel like then the book would, like, sell a lot better. <laughs> like...
1: Well, if you want, you can um, mail copies to uh, Mark Dreskel and... Uh...
2: <laughs> we,
0: we can try to get it on the band book list. <laughs> it's like,
2: do you know what he says about Satan? It's <laughs> horrible, evil heresy.
1: <laughs> Any chance the band will read this?
2: Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope, I sure hope so. Ozzy is getting old. Uh, just today, he announced that he's not going to be touring anymore because he physically just is not capable of it. Geezer, so he and... might have
1: time to read your book.
2: Yeah, maybe. Geezer <laughs> is. I think if there's if there's one person I want to read it, it's the basis. Geezer Butler, like, and if there's one person I definitely want to meet and like talk to about the ideas in the book, it's him because he wrote most of the lyrics and he's the one he was like the real deep thinker of the band. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like, if they're going to read it, I have no idea. It's, it's uh in the lap of the gods, as they say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you've got some new music coming out. Anything you want to tease here and share with us?
2: Sure. Um, I've got a single coming out this month. Called "Apples," kind of on the theme of destroying those who destroy the earth. It's it. The song is uh, a lament of the dystopian character of life today, and uh, also the kind of pandemic context as well, and um, not being able to trust that the the people in power are gonna look out for the common good and instead you know finding out that they're actively making things worse with reckless abandon I saw the fire I saw them sharing yeah thanks for having me on like really i'm um super stoked to
1: it's high time i i feel bad it took us so long for to make it happen but you <laughs> I mean secretly you've been here all along
0: i mean you've been in every single show actually
2: yeah no i mean that's been that's been cool enough really
0: so if people want to find
1: you or buy this book where can they stalk you online
2: uh, Jack Amos Uh I'm also on Instagram but yeah that's the the best spot it's got all my links and my various projects and whatnot and that also has a link where you can get the, the book and uh, if you buy it through there I will send it to you myself and we'll sign it So nice
1: and your label again
2: uh, Morbid Instinct Morbid Instinct. Yeah. I like it. That's great. This
0: has been, it's been so nice to, to have you, the person on our show
2: along with you, the music. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have putting, putting a voice to the, to the sounds.
0: Yes.
1: Super fun. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you everyone for listening and
1: we'll be back with some dark content. Yeah. This was your palate <laughs> cleanser.
0: Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a threat. <laughs>
1: Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the kitchen table cold podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the bend the heavens on their albums to Nazo. Our producer is Dave, the great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchentablecultpod. Thanks for listening.